Just a warning that the following episode contains details of domestic violence, including sexual violence. A listener production. As journos, we're kind of in the business of bad news and in some ways you get a little immune to it because it's unfortunately all too common. But when it comes to the weekly deaths of women due to domestic violence, that's just one story. No matter how many times I tell it, it just makes me feel sick to the stomach. And if I'm being really honest, angry. It makes me angry. And you may feel the same way or perhaps you're wondering why it's still happening Why isn't it being stopped? Well, federal, state and territory governments have pledged to end domestic violence or end violence against women and children in Australia within one generation. To find out exactly how police plan to do this, I'm joined by Assistant Commissioner of New South Wales Police, Stuart Smith. Assistant Commissioner Stuart Smith, thanks for your time. Every week, there's another heartbreaking case where a woman is killed by a current or former partner. I think it's fair to ask, why aren't things getting better? Um, Certainly as part of our reform, which commenced in July of last year, we looked very closely at the number of homicides that are attributed to domestic violence or intimate partner homicide. Last year, we had 25 homicides directly linked to domestic violence or intimate partner assault. Obviously, with the New South Wales Police Force, the reform is about making the system work better, mm. engage with victims better. So we respond to 139,000 calls for service related to domestic violence a year. Now, that equals around 33,000 assaults and about 20,000 counts of intimidation, stalking, harassment of which we deal with 21,000 breaches and around 35,000 offenders a year. So the volume is the largest crime category in Australia. So let's talk about some of these new initiatives because in recent months, New South Wales Police have rolled out different attempts to address this problem. If we have a look where we commenced, um, coercive control is a legislation package is about to start in February of next year. In preparation of that, We've done a number of changes, including the way we interface with victims. Now, we spent around 12 months developing the Empower You app, which is the ID concept of a DVLA or a domestic violence liaison officer at Blacktown. We partnered up with Google and Apple and Telstra, and we've now provided a high-end interface with victims where Service delivery is at your fingertips, the ability to collect your thoughts in a diary and the ability to set up a security network is all contained within that app. And that's the first part of a significant technology package, which will include upgrades to the MobiPol device to allow officers to capture digital evidence directly for the court and the rebuilding of the COPS mainframe, which is our reporting system, which will have a digital interface and availability that the court can draw that directly out of that. That is just the technology alone. In training, whether you're starting at the academy or you've got three to five years service and do DV fundamentals or a DV investigator's role, DV officer or um, specialised training for the high-risk offender teams, mm. each of those have now got new training, um, which we're rolling out over the next 12 months. There are also DV registries. Uh, Tell me about those. 
we've had a great deal of success as an organisation with the missing persons registry and with child protection registry in monitoring perpetrators in child protection and monitoring the quality control of the way we respond to missing persons. Um, so I've developed a strategy framework to establish a domestic family violence registry. Now that registry will monitor repeat victimisation and repeat offending, including an upgrade of the domestic violence safety assessment tool built into an integrated escalating threat assessment model that allows us to tackle the perpetrator's behaviour head on. There, there have been some sort of mixed reviews from frontline workers um, with the registry. Some problems like if the perp is not on the registry, can that be used as deniability? Or if the perp is on the registry and the victim stays, can that lead to victim blaming? And then, of course, you know, a registry is not going to capture everyone because there are different jurisdictions, different rules. Uh, is this going to have limited impact? There's a great deal of confusion out there in relation to what the Domestic Family Violence Registry will do. It, it is not there to create a register of names of people that we should be looking at or not should, should be looking at. The coroner's um, domestic violence death review team develops a set of causal factors and out of the last report, it was 252 intimate partner homicides. Um, those causal factors have been cross-referenced with behavioural offending um, by offenders across New South Wales and, and it's been cross-pollinated into a escalating threat assessment. Now, the important part of that is that we don't miss the most important factor, which is the victim. Mm. So we've redes- redesigned the DVSAT so it sits at the front of that escalating threat model. And in terms of it, the registry will monitor repeat victimisation at the primary response as well as monitoring the perpetrator. There's also a pilot of domestic violence workers embedded in police stations. I understand this is also being trialled in Queensland. How is it going? There are five on the ground. There are five to come. The feedback that I've got is positive. Um, There are some limitations that they can only do daylight hours. They don't um, work weekends. And it's about learning how the relationship works. Our victims can be referred to them for support. Police officers often get the role of social violence counsellors. It is not our job. Our job is to deal with threat and with evidence. Mm. Uh, We need to be aware under the Victims Charter of Rights of the needs of victims, but having those support services co-located in the police station allows us to streamline people directly into support care. I'm keen to hear about some of the specific support available for the most marginalised people because we know when it comes to diverse communities, whether it's culturally diverse, queer communities, disability, First Nations, they often face additional barriers and are less likely to report. What is being done to encourage and support victims from those communities? I know with the coercive control um, training that we've undertaken, we broadly sought advice from seven reference groups which cater for disadvantaged and vulnerable people to ensure that the training we provide to our frontline officers acknowledge the difficulties in various vulnerable communities and ensure that that's factored into um, encouraging people to report. That coercive control training you know, will commence the face-to-face component, will commence in September and will run up until another year. 
and then it'll form part of business as usual for training for police. And how much work is undertaken with police in other jurisdictions? Or for example, like Tasmania has electronic monitoring and it's the only jurisdiction that monitors family violence offenders. You know, how closely do you work with those jurisdictions or, or look to see what's working elsewhere? Look, we, we talk to other states all the time. There's a fairly significant regular link up. Um, New South Wales has got electronic monitoring. There's a committee that manages that. Um, we're hoping to expand that program once the registry's up and fully functional. So expand it to DV offenders? To DV offenders, yeah. Electronic monitoring is only one element we want to tackle with the new reform. Um, we think there are perpetrators that need to be referred to the Crime High Risk Offenders Act mm. because the court system cannot control their behaviour and we need to remove the them out of the equation and make it all about their behaviour. So we've had a look through police media alerts and what we found was at least 11 police officers have been charged with domestic violence and that's just this year and just in New South Wales. This, of course, isn't a problem specific to New South Wales. There are concerning numbers also in Victoria, Queensland, WA and other states. How can victims have confidence that the police will handle their cases appropriately when there are perpetrators among you? Yeah, look, 11 out of 35,000 offenders a year is a very tiny amount. It is a concern of ours, but doctors, politicians, lawyers, media personalities, it doesn't discriminate domestic violence. It happens in whether you're rich or you're poor. Um, The reality is we've got a significant amendment to the way we monitor that and we put a framework around that to ensure that we take the appropriate action in those matters. That was Assistant Commissioner of New South Wales Police, Stuart Smith. Emily Dale is Head of Advocacy at Full Stop Australia, and she closely follows police responses in all states and territories. Emily, thanks for your time. So federal, state and territory governments, they've pledged to stamp out or end violence against women and children within one generation. How confident are you that this is actually going to be achieved? If this is going to happen, I think we need, first of all, a much greater sense of collective urgency about the problem. At the moment, on average, one woman per week is Mm. being murdered by a current or former intimate partner. Every single one of those deaths is preventable. And there needs to be much better understanding across society about how serious the issue is. And we all need to be working together to try to solve the problem. In terms of the police response, how much has changed in the past couple of years? And are there any examples of things that are really working? There's been a much greater recognition in police forces across the country that domestic violence is at crisis point in this country. For example, the New South Wales Police Commissioner has recently recognised that it's an epidemic in New South Wales. Some of the things that are working include, in Victoria, there are domestic and family violence specific units that are adequately resourced and trained to respond to domestic and family violence matters. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see that replicated in other parts of the country. 
Also in 2017 in Burke in New South Wales, there was a pilot program called Operation Solidarity in which New South Wales police were spending time actively following up with both victim survivors and perpetrators of domestic and family violence matters. So you were seeing that proactive follow-up and it was over a period of two years and in that period domestic and family violence was reduced in the town by about 25% and that was because domestic and family violence matters were being addressed before Mm. they got to the really pointy end. Is there something that police should be doing that they aren't? I think that police across the country should be receiving adequate training on how to respond effectively to victim survivors. Like what's adequate training? Training on the effects of trauma, training on the issue of misidentification of victim survivors in domestic and family violence matters as perpetrators. Mm. That continues to be a really prevalent issue in policing responses across the country where if somebody is a victim of domestic violence and they're responding in a way that seems angry or maybe if they've been drinking or Mm. if they seem hysterical in quotes, it's an issue that disproportionately affects Aboriginal women and women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds who perhaps can't communicate their situation that comfortably in English. These women are disproportionately being misidentified as the perpetrator in domestic and family violence matters. That shouldn't be happening. I mean, Mm. think about the the breakdown in trust and do you think these women are going to be likely to report to police in future? Probably not. And when it comes to police themselves as DV perpetrators, do you think there's enough transparency and accountability there? There was a recent report released in New South Wales that found that police who had been accused of domestic and family violence-related offences were being investigated internally by their own Mm. command. That's obviously really problematic. There needs to be greater transparency and there needs to be a more objective investigation process so that it's not being these very serious issues aren't being investigated by By friends and colleagues of exactly perpetrators. Emily Dale, Head of National Advocacy Group, full stop there. For counselling, advice and support for men who have anger, relationship or parenting issues, you can call the Men's Referral Service on 1300 766 491. And of course, 24-7, you can also call 1800-RESPECT. Tomorrow on The Briefing, some solutions. If you're wondering what you can do personally or what you should do if you see or are worried about domestic violence impacting someone in your life, we share the key do's and don'ts. Listener.